total commercial and industrial robot base is currently estimated at 3.5 million units in 2022, according to the International Federation of Robotics. ABI Research expects this number to grow to more than 20 million by 2030. Global robot installations grew tremendously throughout 2021 and have continued to do so in 2022, reaching record levels for industrial and collaborative robots, according to Lian Jieshu, ABI Research Director. He concedes, however, that this recent boom is expected to fade a bit in 2023 due to the ongoing war in Ukraine and inflation. In this podcast for Future IoT, Sue discusses the latest trends in industrial automation, artificial intelligence, and robotics in Asia. LJ, welcome to Podchats for Future IoT. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Alan. I appreciate it. If you could, describe for us the state of industrial automation in Asia this year, 2023. Yeah, sure. So the overall landscape of industrial automation in 2023 has been much exciting than prior years. Actually, last year, the International Federation of Robotics has reported a significant increase in the shipment of industrial robots uh, all across the world. And this, obviously, we have seen growing trends of industrial automation in APEC, particularly on the robotics side of things. And this kind of applies across different verticals from manufacturing to warehousing to some of the small sort of um, more niche applications of robotics, such as uh, cleaning and sort of uh, retail applications. So overall, the industrial automation market, particularly in the robotics side of things, has been growing and uh, is expected to continue to grow moving forward. Now, since you brought up the word robotics, how have robotics technology evolved in recent years? So in the earlier years, industrial robots are predominantly stationary. So we are looking at basically robotics arms or sort of um, small robots that kind of perform repetitive tasks that is sort of um, being placed in either within a manufacturing line or in a very specific location performing repetitive tasks at a higher frequency. But over the years, people started to realize that um, there are a couple of things that you can do to a robot. First of all, you, you can make a robot to move around and that will allows that robot to do some sort of material handling, uh, more in the sense of uh, moving things around within an indoor environment, kind of like a structured environment as we call it. And this then allows different types of uh, materials to be moved within an, an indoor setting. And most predominantly, this is shown in the warehouse side of things where parcels and sort of goods are being moved around without the need of having human worker to carry the heavy load. The other part to the sort of innovation in industrial robot is the ability of these robots to start to have sensors, so additional sensors, particularly in computer vision. So this then allows obviously robots to see and in many cases to be automated based on what they see and perceive using their computer vision sensors. And this obviously allows robots to be easily programmable, to be to be sort of um, easily controlled and manipulated by the human workers, thereby augmenting their productivity. From what I understood, Japan and Korea have led the world and the region as regards to the use of robots, particularly in the manufacturing space. How are other markets in the region in Asia adopting and or deploying robotics? Yeah, so traditionally, you are right, South Korea and Japan, uh, and, in, and in many cases, China are sort of our, some of the countries with the largest robotics deployment in the past. But I think over the years, we are seeing uh, quite a significant adoption, particularly in Singapore and Taiwan, where sort of um, the uh, semiconductor industry and the electronics manufacturing industry 
and started to significantly automating their their solutions. One of the reasons is because, uh, first of all, robotics automation brings high precision, and this allows for significant reduction in low quality products, ensuring sort of quality outputs. But also at the same time, because of the increasing wages and sort of an aging society in both countries, ideally you would want the manufacturers they tend to prefer to have robotics solution to kind of step in to augment the existing productivity that is lost because of the aging society. As I understand it, when we, whenever we talk about robotics, we usually associate with the hardware. So most hardware-based robotics use cases are designed to form a single specific test, like welding, for example. As we start to introduce software solutions like AI and machine learning, and that these technologies mature, do you ever see robotics taking on more sophisticated functions? Yes, I certainly do. And I think it will start slowly. So robots are still inherently, as you said, very driven by the hardware component and thereby the hardware limitation. So in many cases, when we add software element to a robot, it first of all allows the robot to be easily programmable. So which means, as I, as I alluded to earlier, a robot can now be uh, e easily programmed or manipulated to perform certain functions that previously are either too hardwired or too difficult to encode. And that is kind of like that baby first step. As we continuously move forward, uh, we can slowly teach the robot various tasks and sort of uh, allows the robot, as you said, to become a true multi-purpose robot that kind of frees itself to perform different type of functions uh, with uh, different type of hardware and software component with the expectation that it will be very easy to control and program and sort of it will work seamlessly with the existing production demand and processes because there's the other big trend that is kind of emerging within the manufacturing space is the sort of a low volume high mix type of manufacturing trend whereby there is a lot more demand from customer for customized products, for products that kind of fits a certain type of niche or sort of a specific applications, but they are generally in very low volume. So instead of mass producing certain products, we may end up having to produce different type of products uh, within a single manufacturing line. And the, then this is the, one of the reasons why you, you want to have robots that are easily programmable, that can be controlled by software, that kind of is able to adjust to multiple types of applications as the production demand changes. Okay, so because that's the benefit of humans, right? Humans can be asked Indeed. to adopt to a, a shift in the production line, materials being developed relatively quickly, whereas traditionally with robots, they are designed to do a specific job. And it takes yes. a bit of more effort to make them a bit more uh, flexible, ag agile in that sense. One of the things that I've come about in the area of robotics is the term cobots. What are cobots and are they a sign of things to come? Yes. Definitely. So there are, I would say, a narrow definition of cobots and then a broader definition of cobots. So I'll start with the more narrow one. If you think about the industrial robots that I mentioned earlier that is equipped with computer vision and that they are stationary that can be programmed to do multiple tasks, they fit under the narrow definition of cobots. Basically, they are industrial robotics arms, usually six aces or, or more. 
they are stationary, so which means they don't move around. They stay on a specific location in a manufacturing line. And what they have that is different from the traditional industrial robot is that they have computer vision sensors. So basically, they have cameras that's being attached to the arm of the industrial robots, and they can be sort of easily moved around or being um, pitched to perform certain functions in a very easy manner. The idea is that uh, because they have that capability to learn quite easily, so which means they they are a pretty good companion for human workers, and thereby enable the element of our collaboration. But sort of like the broader definition of cobots actually comes from that term collaboration and the nature of of collaboration. So which means any robot, uh, aside and, and inclusive of the industrial robots that I mentioned earlier, that can work alongside human can be kind of. Considered as a cobot, so this kind of extends the definition into different types of mobile robots that's out there. So if we look at、uh, one of the more predominant examples, are autonomous mobile robots. They are usually either a mobile platform that runs on wheels, or they are sort of quadrupeds, or what we normally call as dog-like robots that runs on four legs, or any other sort of robots that can work alongside human. That can detect sort of human presence. They are safe to work with. That are able to perform tasks and augment human productivity. We also consider that kind of as as a cobot. And many times,、uh, all these cobots、uh, they do augment our productivity in different settings. In many cases. They are truly automating many processes that previously we kind of believe that is on it can only be performed by a human, as you mentioned earlier. In the information technology space, we've seen the rise of what they call as a service set from、mm-hmm. what was originally storage or compute as a service has these days become almost anything as a service. What about in the area of robotics? Do you think that there is a trend towards robotics as a service、uh, kind of feature or functionality that will come out eventually? Yes, definitely. So I think it kind of started off with just hardware. Basically, you try to sell robotics hardware as a service. So in this case, it's similar to more of a renting、uh, or rent model or rent approach、okay. with sort of um I guess maintenance and kind of consulting or deployment services、uh, added into that package. So over time, the end user can acquire a robot from a robotics OEM, and then they can just kind of pay a recurring monthly amount、uh, to the robotics OEM for further assistance in commissioning, in consultations, in deployments. And over time,、um, the robotics OEM will then use this guess fixed revenue to expand on the existing robots and sort of then slowly. Ramp up their solution. It, it kind of solves actually two major problems. So on one hand, the robotics OEM they will have a fixed recurring revenue that allows them to slowly expand their existing operations. But then on the other hand, the end user do not really need to commit to large one-time lump sum payment of robotic solution, which they even they themselves wasn't very sure on how to de- deploy initially. So sometimes it takes time for them to get used to the robotics automation solution, and then also. Allows them to sort of slowly expand on whatever they need、uh, further in, into the future. So it's almost like following the way that IT itself has shifted from hardware to software, now to services. So within the industrial IoT space or Industry 4.0 and robotics as the other one, how do you see these things converging, or are they ever going to be connected together? 
So I think there is definitely a lot of discussion on sort of IT OT convergence are uh, considering robotics technology and kind of AI force under the OT umbrella. There is definitely something that we are seeing, but it's still in a very, very early stage because ultimately I, I think there are again a couple of stumbling blocks that kind of uh, prohibit a full convergence, let's say. I think first of all is the OT technologies that we have nowadays, they are not designed to behave similarly to an IT solution, mainly because OT is designed to perform in very ruggedized environment. Um, so a, a lot of the time they are either not fully connected to the internet and does not require full connection, but then also at the same time, they have extremely high redundancy and sort of latency requirement, which makes it extremely different from sort of in the, in the, in the IT solution side of things, things can be a bit more flexible and a bit more scalable and not really attached to, let's say, a particular software or hardware most of the time. And likewise, in the IT environment, the idea is to have maximum scalability and flexibility. And that kind of philosophy at the moment doesn't really gel very well with an, with an OT type of solution because ultimately, whereas IT kind of focuses a lot on ROI, on profitability, OT focuses a lot on safety and sort of the, the output quality. So which means that uh, the KPI in, in both domains is not yet fully aligned. So in, so in, in many cases, sort of the CIO in various organizations needs to realize that uh, do require significant consultation and discussion and, and sort of uh, conversation just between both IT and OT teams just to sort of align their vision, align their KPIs. And only then you will probably see a healthier discussion and direction in IT OT convergence. Now, beyond this ITOT convergence, what would you say are the hurdles in the continuing evolution of robots or robotics, particularly within the industrial application setting? One of it is what you have touched on earlier is the sort of the high cost to acquire a robot. So in many cases, robotics as a service or RAS is kind of becoming that emerging solution to this hurdle. But then of course, there are other hurdles as well. Robotic solutions are inherently uh, less flexible. They are still not as easy to deploy. So you do require, in many cases, uh, system integrators and, and, and consultants and robotics developers, a, a kind of like a rather big team in order to successfully deploy a robotic solution. There is also that corporate culture where people are still less, they're not very comfortable with having their job fully automated and I think that is sometimes needs to be discussed and sort of needs to be sort of communicated in a very sensible way to the employees in the sense that robotic solutions is not there to replace you in many cases just to automate whatever that you do it's actually there to amend your productivity is there to ensure a higher quality of output because ultimately as, as human we are inherently limited by our physical nature so we tend to be or rather our attention and sort of um, our physicality does drop over time and we do need additional assistance on that front. And that's ultimately the benefit of having robotic solution. Um, but yeah, I think sort of um, most of the time, a lot of the hurdle comes from culture and cost side of things. What is your advice for organizations looking to further integrate advances in robotics into their operations? 
Yeah, so a, a couple of things. So like I said, first of all, to get a full alignment within your organization, all the way from the top management to the people that is uh, running the shop and working on the floor. Those people generally, they interact the most with the robot and to get their buy-in is almost e essential. Secondly, is to obviously find a sustainable business model that works when it comes to robotic solution. Of course, you want to avoid paying a large once a uh, lump sum figure to just to acquire robots uh, only to discover that it's really not fit for function. So you kind of need to make sure that whatever robotic solution that you try to acquire, it has to sort of fit within that company financial planning and calendar. I think it's also quite important to get a trustworthy system integrators and, and experts that are really know familiar with the robotic solution that you want to deploy because sort of having a trusted partner that you can rely on uh, is quite important because ultimately when you deploy ro robotic solutions, it's not just a matter of productivity or cost. It's also about safety, the longevity of the system itself. Um, to, so to have someone that you can rely on to look after all those different aspects is quite important. I think finally, it's really about being knowledgeable about the latest development within the robotic space. To have that knowledge will fundamentally, in many cases, change how you operate because there's a lot of innovation out there that is sort of uh, very interesting and, and has brought significant changes to many, many organizations. And to stay ahead of competition, I, I think uh, every organization needs to be aware of what's going on. And that this means sort of uh, participating in industrial events, uh, having constant communication with, with the industrial experts, but also sort of uh, having a keen eye on sort of trying to look out for new technologies and constantly having those conversations with technology providers. LJ, as always, thank you for joining us on Podcast for Future IoT. Appreciate it, Alan. Thank you. That was Tianjie Xu, IDI Research Director, on the topic of industrial automation trends in Asia. You are listening in the podcast for future IoT. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter, so you won't miss an episode of Podcasts for Future IoT. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podcasts for Future IoT. Bye for now.